1: Hey, this is Matt
0: Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rob Taylor, a.k.a. the Canadian from Gotham, and you are listening to Geek 5-5. And here... All right, I finally decided to start recording. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to a really exciting episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me a very special guest. You may have seen him from Lights Camera Pro Pod, Sean Ventura. How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm doing good, Tia. How are you? This is so much fun. I'm so glad we're doing this.
0: Uh, Me too. I was looking the other day on our YouTube channel, uh, Geek Vibes Podcast, (laughs) shameless plug there, but I was noticing how many interviews you have up there, and it's so cool because we were talking before we started recording of just how busy we all are, and you seem really to just be Trucking along with these interviews. Um, first of all, I just love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and just you know what we can find at your podcast. Again, Lights Camera Pro podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am part of the Geeks Vibes Nation network uh, with you, and I have a podcast on there called Lights Camera Pro, and I interview entertainment pros, and we they tell stories and they tell about working with Al Pacino and, and um, working on the movie Tenant and uh, The Rock's new movie, Black Adam, um, people working with Shaq. It's all kinds of people that work behind the scenes, directors, writers, producers, actors. It's so much fun. And I found you guys, and we talked and, um, on your network also, and it's given me a broader audience, and I do Facebook Lives. I also go to YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. Uh, three or four times a week and then I turn them into audio podcasts later so it's a video and an audio podcast and um, that's it yeah it's so much fun I love doing it
0: it's really awesome and I think that was one of the things that attracted me most to your podcast is that you speak to people who are behind the scenes and I really didn't I think I don't want to say that I didn't appreciate because I certainly always appreciated people in the entertainment industry. But the first, say, behind the scenes person who I interviewed who is a cinematographer um, and not, say, an actor, you really get this whole different side of movies and TV shows when you speak to the people who, say, aren't in front of the camera. And I really like that about your podcast. So please, everyone who is listening. Make sure you check that out. I think we were supposed to have a face to face say podcast, but I emailed uh, Sean saying, "You know what? It's Saturday. I don't feel like putting on makeup. Is it okay if we just do audio?" <laughs> that's totally I funny. like calling. My- it is the weekend,
1: yeah. So <laughs> audio is fine.
0: <laughs> I like calling myself out on my own podcast, Sean. You'll you'll come to find that out. But um, okay, we- yeah,
1: no, that's good.
0: I like doing that too. <laughs> We are reviewing the Netflix TV show Ratchet, which just came out, I think, a week ago now at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, just anyone who's listening, if you haven't seen the show yet, uh, spoilers. We will be mentioning spoilers. It is eight episodes. Again, it's on Netflix. It's developed by Ryan Murphy. It stars Sarah Paulson as Mildred Ratchet, which, for those who don't know, was quite the villainous character in the 1975 movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So, um, Sean, before we go any further, I do have to ask, I'm assuming you've seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
1: Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Jack Nicholson and... Um, the guy who throws the uh, the sink out the window at the end that of the movie so and great. helps Jack Jack leave, and, and Nurse Ratchet, who's doing lobotomies and messing with people and giving them wrong medications, and uh, yeah, she is not a nice lady in either the movie or the series. <laughs>
0: No, not at all. And I will admit that I've never gotten a chance to actually read the book because it is – the movie itself was based on a book from 1962 written by Ken Kesey. I hope mm-hmm. I pronounced it correctly. Um, But yeah, so we have this eight episode series, which by the way, before it even premiered, it got ordered for a two season order. So there's already a second season um, being thought of that is going to happen. So there is none of that. Hey, you got to wait for it to be renewed. Netflix already uh, knew that they were going to do two seasons of the show. But what were your expectations walking into Ratchet, having seen the movie and being a fan of it?
1: Well, uh, the expectations were crazy because I had seen the movie, which I have an image of who Nurse Ratchet is uh, in the movie. And in the series, it's very different. But I'm also a huge fan of Ryan Murphy because I love the show Glee and uh, uh, thought that was one of the best shows ever ever. Um, them remaking songs and doing music video like uh treatments to them and and then he did a couple he did a show called scream queens and he did american horror story which was just almost too tough to watch uh i didn't spend a lot of time with that and then he just did this show called hollywood um which were a bunch of actors turning into gigolos uh, to make their way in Hollywood, and it's a similar thing as Ratchet. It has this, you know, the the set design, the costume design is beautiful, and the landscapes are gorgeous, and and all this really crazy, horrific, gruesome stuff is happening at the same time. So Ryan Murphy, definitely a big fan. Nurse Ratchet, not a fan, but I do love the lead actress Sarah Paulson. There's something about her; she's an incredible actress, and she sort of takes you on this journey. So. Um, not what I expected at all, but kind of got into it and sort of forced myself through some of the more gruesome <laughs> scenes that are really, we'll, we'll talk about those later, but, oh, my God, definitely, like, hard not to look away sometimes.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um- I had read your notes uh, that you had come up with per episode, which were really great. Um, I felt that I I was going to tell you, maybe you should have written the review for this (laughs) show. You so detailed, but um, I think that you were a little nicer to the show than I feel I am, which is interesting to have, say, opposing thoughts like that. So this is where I'm coming at with Ratchet. I was super excited for the show. And, in fact, I was given – not trying to toot myself here, but I was given early screeners to the show to watch I was actually able to watch the series before it premiered on Netflix. And I love Sarah Paulson. I had just watched the – the Trial of O.J. Simpson, I'm uh, with her in it, and Sterling K. Brown, mm-hmm. you know, uh, John Travolta, just a huge, huge cast, and she was fantastic in it. So I was really looking forward to Ratchet because I felt that she would have been a perfect actress to play this character. Now, I will say just my overall general thoughts are the show itself did feel – a lot like American Horror Story, and I'm not, say, the biggest fan of American Horror Story, and mm. when I say that is, I think I have the same feelings that you do, is that some of it is just too hard to watch, right. especially that first season. Um, I'm a weenie. I don't watch horror shows or horror movies, really. <laughs> I I can't <laughs> get through it. Um, so... You know, it it had definitely that feel. Now, I love that it took place in the 40s. The costumes, as you said, were so gorgeous. But my – and, of course, we'll get into this a little later on. I'm just uh, saying my overall thoughts here. But I don't personally see how Sarah Paulson's nurse ratchet in 13 years becomes the nurse ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because – um, the end of this season ends in 1950, and the movie takes place in 1963. I had to look that up. I was like, so how in 13 years does this character become this character? I mean, what are your, your, your thoughts there?
1: Well, it's kind of confusing. The, the character is very confusing because she is very loving towards her brother, she helps um, a couple of women escape who are being tortured. She she has these moments where she has really got human feelings and doesn't feel like a psychopath or a sociopath. Um, but she does these things throughout the series that are morally insane, like they're um, incomprehensible and it's all for her brother. And, and then later on. You, we'll talk about it. You learn about the abuse they had as children. And, and there are motivations for it, but it's still like going, you know, it's that old thing that I would do anything for my son or I'd do anything for my wife or I'd do anything for my brother just to save their life. And and that's kind of what she's doing. And it's it's kind of like this, well, if you murder someone to save your brother's life, is that worth it? What is the balance? Like that doesn't really add up for me. So it's kind of confusing to see her go back and forth between someone who is really just an awful, horrible person and setting up these people for murder um, and then being like a really sweet, kind, caring woman.
0: That is what confused me as well because – in the movie, and granted, I understand um, humanizing characters. I think that's what Sarah Paulson wanted to do with this character because I believe she also is a producer on this.
1: Is she? But,
0: okay. yeah, I think um, she had said that. I have the Wikipedia in front of me, but I don't want to take too much time kind of uh, reading it over because then I don't want to get distracted. But right. <laughs> um, uh, what she calls it. You know, the character in the movie is a straight-up bitch. Let's just say that, right? Yeah, she is. And, and But Sarah Paulson's Mildred Ratchet teeters on this edge of being unstable, unhinged, almost then becomes this quote-unquote angel of mercy where she's, putting people to death because she believes that they're suffering and that she will end their suffering. And you're like, um, I never thought that maybe Nurse Ratched be- belonged in these psychiatric hospitals instead of the actual patients. And then we see in the movie how utterly nasty she was to um, some of the patients, even leading um, – Gosh, I forget his name now. But leading, you know, the younger patient in the movie to commit suicide over it,
1: right. um,
0: and then, but then in this show, you see her being this champion to the two women, as you said, who were in reality just gay. Which we, I think, if people don't know was at one point like on the spectrum of what they considered mentally ill which was mm. completely messed up they literally put people in psychiatric hospitals for being gay um and yeah. put them through the ringer like that so yeah like yes you you want to see a character free these these other characters but it's just weird seeing Mildred Ratchet do that. I think that's what was strange for me. It's like, why does she care so much? And then obviously you find out later on, we'll talk about the relationship that she ends up developing with uh, Cynthia Nixon's Gwendolyn. But speaking of murder, which is, I know, a great transition here. um, (laughs) God, what did you think of uh, Finn Whitrock as Edmund Tolson, his introductory scene in ratchet
1: oh man um i have seen a lot of horror movies i've seen a lot of law and order svu and criminal intent i've seen a lot of murder scenes um the the opening scene in the original scream movie comes to mind when the guy's stabbing drew barrymore the guy with the mask and it's so it's so overkill it's like all right this is like too much like you're going over the edge we don't need to show him stabbing her 50 times and and i think that's what this scene is this scene is like okay we need to prepare you for this series this series is going to be gruesome gory it's going to make you on the edge of your seat it's going to make you turn away it literally made me turn away uh because it's a bunch of innocent priests in a house and he's killing them all he's stabbing them and slicing their throats and and how do you have that much rage, and how do you have that much lack of compassion for a human life? but it's there's blood everywhere it's it's very, very gory, and it's overkill. Like there's a way to do horror where we've seen in Dexter, other things where there's the splash of blood on the wall, or you cut away to a silhouette or just see the hand moving. but they're showing graphic violence, and it's it's a bit much, and it's like, okay. If you can make it through this, you can make it through the rest of the show because more is coming. And I think that's what they're doing is they're setting you up for it. But it, it is very disturbing.
0: It's very disturbing. I would have liked a little bit of a warning. I think there was at some point where Edmund just completely destroys one of the priest's face on a bathroom sink. And mm. I was like, oh, God, I was I was not prepared for that. And it's funny because I always go back to this. I don't know why it's something that just so gets on my nerves every once in a while. But there was this big thing after Stranger Things season three came out mm-hmm. that everyone was complaining about how much uh, Jim Hopper was smoking. I don't know if you watch Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, but, um... yeah, I
1: love Str- <laughs> I've watched all of it and the smoking thing. Yeah, I can't believe he's <laughs> smoking so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but people, you know, had such a problem with that. And I'm like, you have a problem with all that smoking, which I guess smoking is bad. But uh, the violence in this show is insane. Um, So I just I I just thought about that. But that was very brutal. Um, As you said, it set up for what we were going to see going forward. So, you know, going forward in the show, I think we should just rip the band-aid off right mm-hmm. and we are obviously skipping a little here but we have to talk about so giving a background we have um john john brianz which mm-hmm. again i hope i'm saying his last name correctly as dr richard hanover now yes. at first i didn't i didn't know what to make of this character right either he's the unsuspecting uh head of the psychiatric hospital that uh, Mildred Ratchet kind of has the ability to manipulate, but is he also quite sick? I think then he had a drug addiction, but mm-hmm. in reality, he really just wanted to help his patients. So. We see how much he wants to help his patients to the point of wanting to use experimental um, drugs in the sort of process to help them. And I believe at some point that LSD was used in that mm-hmm. matter. Like that, that is the thing I will say about the show is that they're not wrong in the practices that they showcase in this in the series so they show at some point that he gets hired by sharon stone's character because sharon stone's uh son played by brandon flynn so anyone out there who's a fan of 13 reasons why will know him but okay. um brandon flynn plays henry osgood uh, a complete psychopath by the way he he was psychotic that Uh, character, but the whole thing is that his character has, like, a little bit of a problem. I think she said, like, poking people, so they bring in Dr. Hanover to help him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Hanover thinks that by using LSD on the kid, it will be beneficial, but uh, at some point during the flashback, you see Dr. Hanover turn away, and that's when... Uh, the kid pours all of the lSD in the doctor 's drink, so yes. my first question is what was your reaction to that because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh god no don't don 't drink that,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you're absolutely saying that you're saying don't drink that, please don 't drink that, but it was a very bizarre scene because um, the when they were under the influence of the lsd the the son keeps asking dr hanover you know cut my arms off cut my arms off and he doesn't want to and it's very bizarre it's like who wants to cut their own arms off and then he actually saws one off and there's blood everywhere and he breaks one on a bureau and 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 uh, i think the doctor dr hanover is so messed up that he's just like almost surviving like okay whatever you want me to do like is this a dream is this real and uh and then he gets some sort of infection that makes him lose his bottom limbs also and everything about it is about it's really gross but let me ask you this Tia: um why doesn't he have prosthetics why is he sitting in a bed and being fed by his mother with no arms and legs like why don't they just get him some prosthetics i mean anybody well they're not as good as they are today but they definitely had them back then i'm sure
0: yeah it- It is funny you say that. I thought the exact same thing. They kind of, I feel, and this is where I think Ryan Murphy's background in American Horror Story kind of takes over here, is that I think they wanted the constant shock value of him almost sitting there as this like now kind of. Um, helpless doll that Sharon Stone's character Lenore kind of babies and uses as an excuse to then want to hire Corey Stoll's character to kill the doctor. Meanwhile, it really, I mean, was her son's fault, right? Yeah, but- I don't
1: feel like it's justified at all that she wants to kill the doctor and she wants him decapitated and wants his head brought back. Once Um, you
0: find out the flashback, you're like, I'm sorry, your your son brought that upon himself.
1: Yeah, it it wasn't the doctor at all, but but she blames him. She has to blame someone. The whole situation is weird, but I love seeing Sharon Stone. I mean, she's 65 years old. She looks great, and she's got that that thing from Casino or whatever it is, that edge that she's playing, and, and she's a great character. I love that character.
0: Oh yeah, no, she was fantastic. Um, I did really, really enjoy her. Um, I was super shocked at what happened to her character at the end of the uh, season, but I did want to add that I... I didn't do my research on that, but I am sure that there were some prosthetics that they could have given this guy. Um, at, at least, least on so his he,
1: legs or something. Yeah, yeah, at least so
0: that he could have walked, right? I don't think that they had as good of arm prosthetics back then because I think that's something that they're really just perfecting now, it feels like. Mm. Um, but they definitely had prosthetics for the legs. They just, I think, like the image of that. But, yeah, that was shocking. Um
1: well let me ask you this let me ask you this to you because i know you're asking the questions but i have a question for you that may come up later um it's it's about the lobotomies okay so the most disturbing thing for me when i saw cuckoo's next cuckoo's nest 20 years ago is that jack nicholson really doesn't have anything wrong with him they've just sent him there it's kind of like the two lesbian characters there's nothing wrong with them they just have they're gay and they have these feelings but they are saying there's something wrong with him in the same way that they say in the movie about Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson just gets in fights. Basically, he's just a guy who solves his problems through fighting. And what they want to do is they want to take that fire, they want to take that, you know, thought away, and and they give them lobotomies. And and in in the show and the movie, they give characters who really don't need lobotomies lobotomies. I mean, you're basically taking away someone's compassion, their imagination, their their um, Sympathy and all these things by putting uh, ice picks or or whatever into the frontal lobes and it's really a disgusting, awful thing to do to a human being and it's almost worse than murder because then as we see with the priest that um, Nurse ratchet manipulates later, the one surviving priest, is that once it happens to him, he's like a zombie and he almost is just sitting around doing nothing. So, how do you feel about the lobotomies? And how do you feel? Um, for me, it's it's one of the most disturbing parts of the show, even more disturbing than the murders.
0: Oh, absolutely! Um, when I first saw the movie, right, and they were yeah. exploring lobotomies, and you know, you would always talk about, "Wow, that was such a barbaric practice." How did they ever think that that was something that was? A solution to anything back then Um, and so we kind of see the origin to that because so this is the thing is that with the doctor right um, Dr. Richard Hanover I do truly believe that he really wanted to help these patients but he was back in the 1940s and they kind of had this backwards mentality when it came to mental health so him thinking oh well you know, if this person has a affliction, all we need to do is uh, poke this one part of the brain, and they'll be fine, right? Uh, but it was so – what freaked me What freaked me out, like, okay. yes, the the priest uh, being a complete vegetable afterwards yeah. freaked me out. I, I felt like, you know, you could see that happening because you saw One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. You saw it happen to Jack Nicholson's right, character. that's what happened but, to Jack
1: Nicholson, yeah.
0: Right, which is why the um, very large Native American guy puts the pillow over him because he's like, man, this this guy doesn't want to live like this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to put him out of his misery. Yeah. But what freaked me out is when Dr. Hanover had uh, – what was it? He had, I think, the press was there. He had Cynthia mm-hmm. Nixon's character, and he was doing, I guess, one version of a lobotomy to these four people just – sitting out there being subjects pretty much and the one person moving their arms. Cause they were clearly like to me, right. Cause then I rewatched it and my boyfriend said, Oh, I think that that was just like, say the brain um kind of uh like, I, I think that was a involuntary reaction right, with the exactly. lens. Right. To yeah. me, I I thought the person was awake. I was like, Oh my God, no, that, that person's awake right now. And, they are which either one sounds like a horrible thing. It's but just that is
1: awful. And one out. of the characters is just a teenage boy who has daydreams. Yes. It's like, really? he's
0: just, He has daydreams?
1: So we're going to give him a lobotomy?
0: <laughs> Tell me insanity. this. Did, didn't you think that that kid ends up being the guy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest who ends up breaking out by throwing the um, washer oh. machine through the window? I felt like they were going with that. Okay.
1: Because it, this series is going to merge with the movie. I've read that somewhere. I've yes. read several articles and and it is going to merge not next season but maybe the third season or something they're talking about. But yeah, it's going she's going to become that. But uh
0: I almost felt like that, but maybe, like, the ages wouldn't match up. But I almost felt like they were trying to do a nod. But I could be wrong there. But you're right. He, the kid was just daydreaming. Every kid daydreams. As adults, we daydream. And it, can you imagine yeah. them saying, oh, well, that, that is totally cause for you to get a drill up in your nostrils or something like that? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I it was stick so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I speak to the brain. Um, I did want to talk about – so – With Sharon Stone's character, right, Mm -hmm. she hires Corey Stoll's character, Charles Wainwright, who is the hitman who Sarah Paulson has some very, very odd sexual encounters with. But not talking about the sexual encounters, I want to talk about the um, his death, that character's death in Mm. those tubs. I mean, first of all. When we're introduced to those tubs, which I think I had read that those are um, included in the book, and that just seems so horrific. Again, another mm-hmm. barbaric uh, practice back in the day, yes. um, but I mean, you, did you kind of feel that when they even introduced those tubs, that those tubs would be used for something other than, say, just treating the patient's?
1: Yeah, I didn't know what it was going to be used for. I thought maybe it was like a, a sauna bath or something. But um, can I talk about what happens to the oh, woman yeah, in the absolutely. scene? Okay, so, so the woman in the scene um, is a lesbian. They're trying to cure her lesbianism <laughs> by uh, boiling her in a hundred and it's supposed to be 117 degree water but she makes a mistake and makes it 120 degrees and then they dump her an ice bath and i i cannot watch i couldn't watch it and i got physically sick watching it because they're in the room for so long and and um nurse ratchet that's one of the confusing scenes she gets very upset so does the uh, nurse's assistant huck uh, and they're saying we're not going to do this we're not going to close it on her we're not Putting her through this, and this is something that Doctor Hanover ordered, and, and just going back to Doctor Hanover, he is not a licensed doctor. He's like a fake doctor. He made up his uh, degree or or his credentials or whatever. So he's just reading articles and figuring stuff up like a guy on the internet, like a fake doctor. So. Um, you know, putting her in this tub doesn't make any sense to Ratchet, and she's freaking out. She's saying, "I will not put this woman through this." And it's like, wait a minute—ten minutes ago, you just stabbed someone in the throat. You know, like how are you, how are you, like a sociopath? But then you're like caring about what happens to this woman. So it's very, very disturbing. And then yes, we go and and she actually sets up the hitman Corey Stoll, I think his name is, right. uh, as an actor. Um, what is his name? It's Charles Wainwright. I have a cast list too. Um, so Charles Wainwright is a hitman and he's been hired by Sharon Stone's character uh, who is Lenore Osgood and uh, to basically kill Dr. Hanover and bring his head back on a platter and Nurse Ratchet, Sarah Paulson, she sets up the hitman, has Dr. Hanover waiting for him and he hits her on the head and puts him in the tub. And and basically they boil him. They put make it like 150 degrees. It's very disturbing. He finally escapes. And then I don't know if you want to say what happens after that, but
0: but it is just such a
1: disturbing scene.
0: It's so disturbing. His skin is literally coming off of his body. I that was so hard for me to watch. I don't know how you feel if you're very familiar with Corey Stoll's work, but for those who don't know who I'm talking about, he for I guess our audience would mostly know him as um, Darren Cross from the first Ant-Man movie, the bald gentleman who tries to thwart Ant-Man's plans. Uh, okay, so plans. he's
1: the bad guy in Ant-Man. Yeah, okay. He's I recognized him. Ant-Man. Yeah.
0: So I'm a fan of his. I've seen other work, and I do think that he's, say, a really good actor, but I also feel that, A, he has a terrible agent, or maybe he just picks terrible projects Mm. because he gets into these projects that really don't allow him to flex his acting capabilities that I'm like, I know you have it. I've seen projects of yours that you're really good in. And then you take these projects that have like, this could have been played by anybody. Do you feel I, that, um, that anyone could have played this part? I, I think
1: having been an actor for 10, 15 years and talked to a lot of actors on my show on the lights, camera pro podcast. Um, I definitely think there's, if it's a Tarantino film, if it's a Ryan Murphy TV show, if it's a, you know, if there's a certain director or creator, um, that is making something and he asks you to do something, you do it. You know what I mean? Like you're not thinking about like, well, is this the right part for me? Or is this the, this is like a hot, everybody knows these shows are going to be huge. I mean, this was the number one show on Netflix the other day. So um, that's huge. That's millions of people watching it. So I think that may have been just a personal actor motivation, but you're absolutely right. It's, It's something that anyone can play, but he is a big, tough guy and, you know, looks like a hit man. Looks like he can handle himself, but, yeah, probably not the best role for him.
0: I only say that because it seems like any time I like an actor – they, I see, like, one thing that they're really good in, and I say, oh, I can't wait for them to be in more projects. And they get cast in the project, and then they end up being, like, a side character that ends up getting killed off, like, <laughs> early on in right. whatever <laughs> they're in. So it's just a curse of Tia shouldn't like actors because then their roles. Like, I love John Bernthal, and he dies in, say, like, 95% of the projects that he's in. And I'm like, yes. damn it. But... <laughs>
1: But not in um, Punisher. He made it in Punisher. Not
0: in Punisher. He made it in Punisher. They but just you know decided to kill the entire show.
1: <laughs> As a little aside, Finn Whitrock, who we haven't really talked about except for the, the killing the priest scene, the murder scene with the priests in the beginning, which is very graphic. I was watching La La Land last night because I was introducing it to my girlfriend, and I love that movie. And he plays Emma Stone's boyfriend who
0: um,
1: – have you seen La La Land?
0: I actually haven't. No.
1: Okay. So he's he's a. So I was. I've seen that movie a bunch of times, and I'm sitting there watching him, and I'm like, I had no idea. And he is like the second main, the second most important character in this series. And now I know him, you know, inside and out, and acting and stuff. I hope there's a question in here about Dolly because Dolly is my favorite character. I don't know how you feel about Dolly.
0: We're gonna go right into all of that first. I okay. do want to say. That So, as I said at the top of this, right, I got the screeners to see this show right. ahead of time. And whenever we get screeners from which whatever streaming service sends it to us, they send an email of, okay, this is when you can post your review. But even in your review, these are the things that we'd like for you not to include in your review. And in and the first bullet point was, do not reveal the relationship between Edmund and Mildred. Like, don't oh, reveal that they're okay. siblings. And it. One hundred percent ruined it for me because I read the email <laughs> before I even watched the series, so I was like, "All oh, uh, right, I know there's okay, still right yeah." Now. Um, but we'll get into that in a sec. Yes, I love Nurse Dolly. Um, I did not. I did not expect that her little storyline would be that she falls in love with this uh, psychopathic killer. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like you see her at. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just it was funny, though, to me that she goes down to his like cage and immediately thinks of, oh, giving this guy a handjob in between the bars is a completely uh, sane and reasonable uh, right. thing. What I, I will say that what I did enjoy about the show was that. Honestly, the, the staff there deserved to be in the hospital more than the actual patients did. Yes. <laughs> I, I saw that and I was like, um, Dolly, you have a little bit of problems as well. But I did find their love story to kind of be cute, even mm. though he was a psycho. I, I thought that it was kind of adorable um she was a great character to have in the show but because you said that she was your favorite i do want you to kind of take this away and just you know talk about dolly
1: well yeah i mean it's the one character in the show that's a complete surprise that comes out of nowhere he is uh finn whitrock or edmund tolleson um he is a psychopath sociopath and he murdered a bunch of people and the guard tells her before you bring him his food know that he could reach out and grab you and kill you because he's a murderer and she goes and has a conversation with him and falls in love and then keeps coming back and then helps him escape but the scariest thing about her is when after they escape and they're the cops are on their tail and they're holed up in this barn first of all they take too long in the barn you know the police are coming what are you doing They're, like, making food, sleeping, and making love. But she actually, um, Edmund says to her, you kind of scare me. Why did you shoot that woman? Like, you're scarier to me. This guy killed six people, and he's scared of Nurse Dolly. (laughs) Um, And then she comes out, you know, he puts his hands up. She comes out guns blazing, like, Uh, oh yeah it was
0: pretty epic in butch cassidy the suntan
1: skid or or one of those movies i mean it's just absolute insanity and
0: i what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.
1: Love her because that's the thing. It's kind of, there was a movie that Tarantino did with Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis. I forget the name. It's called like American Murder or something. And she turns out to be, he's the murderer and she turns out to be crazier than him. So I think it's based loosely on that. And it's such a surprise and it's so much fun. And I needed a little fun in that show because it's very dark and it keeps going and it keeps building. And you're like, geez, I need a break from this stuff.
0: Yeah, 100%. They're a little like – they almost kind of were like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, a exactly. Little. That's and what I, was I, and I felt, I, I felt that Dolly wanted that. She probably – You know, it's the 1940s. She's supposed to be this, you know, nice young woman. What's expected of her? Find a nice man. Da-da-da-da-da. And instead, she's like, oh, I like this dangerous guy that's an (laughs) outlaw. You know, let's, like, live on the edge. And as you said, at some point, He was more logical than she was. He's the one that was like, we have to be constantly on the run. Why are you so, like, la-di-da? And she was like, no, let's take a break and, you know, make love in this barn, as you said. I was like, they're taking way too long. And as soon as they open the door, there's the freaking authority. But what was shocking to me was their escape plan because it was supposed to be – at first, if you remember – Mildred and Edmund came up with something that to just make Edmund look crazy so that he could stay in the asylum and not be fit for trial, which would mean that he would be uh, sentenced to death. But instead, Edmund and Dolly had a completely different uh, thing where – correct me if i'm wrong who did she shoot because she definitely shot someone
1: she shot um cynthia nixon um she didn't kill her
0: but uh, she did gwendolyn
1: sh- briggs who is the i mean we should just tell people now she's um in love with nurse ratchet and they eventually get together
0: oh don't we are definitely going to get to that do not worry um <laughs> i was i'm a big fan of sex in the city which mm-hmm. Cynthia Nixon played Miranda on that. Oh, yeah, I've seen
1: weeks. like eight seasons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, as soon as I saw that Cynthia Nixon was involved in this project, I was elated by that alone. But, um, yeah, the Dolly and Edmund escape was very shocking, especially because Edmund ends up killing that one bodyguard who was so nice um, and oh. just truly did not yeah. deserve that. And he is one of only two characters, I feel like, in that entire show who are actually – I want to – this is such a loose word because what really is normal, but I want to say normal just for the sake of an easy word to use. Yeah. Um, I want to say really quick before we go into Gwendolyn and Mildred, I love Huck. I loved yes. Huck so much. Um, Which is funny because in the trailer and in the first episode, his character is kind of used to, I think, set the scene of this uh, topsy-turvy sort of show because, you know, obviously his face is disfigured. So it adds to that almost like horror funhouse circus sort of Mm -hmm. thing that I think Ryan Murphy was trying to get Past, um, but his character is completely like even keel, right? He's a yeah. he's a vet. He's a vet who works there. He's kind to everyone. He is a champion of the lesbians. He helps those two ladies escape. Him escape. He's yeah. so helps them escape. He's so nice. He has a crush on Mildred, but when she, you know, tells him that she's gay, he has no problem with it. There's no ill feelings or anything it's just mm-hmm. even keel and hit and spoiler again i mean we've been doing spoilers this entire show but his character gets killed at the very end which i was so sad about i was like no god the best yeah. character of the show um but i loved his final scene because what did he say he said um that uh he said something about that a german nazi had a gun to his face he wasn't scared then he was he's not going to be scared now something along those lines and i was like that's badass that's great
1: (laughs) yeah he's totally badass he's a great character he stands up for everybody and yeah you're right he is the i think of him and the security guard as the only good people in the place everybody else is a cheat and a liar and a thief and a murderer
0: (laughs) Pretty but, uh, much, pretty much. <laughs> but Nurse
1: Ratched says to him, she says, um, and and we haven't talked about Nurse Bucket at all, who's Judy Davis, who I've known for years, ever since she was in um, Woody Allen's Hand and Her Sister. She was great in that 30 years ago. But um, she is a great character. She's, she kind of... character.
0: Um, Doesn't she... I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sean, yeah. but doesn't she kind of remind you of the movie version of Ratchet?
1: Yeah, she seems more like more more like the movie version, and she seems more like um, what Ratchet is going to become. You know, it's uh, it's like yeah. it, it's uh,
0: her older
1: self. Yeah, foreshadowing of herself or. Her her bad side versus her maybe she's her good side at this point now that well, with all the twists and turns at the end, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, the one thing I wanted to say is that uh, Nurse Ratchet says to Huck when he says he he likes her and wants to go on a date with her, and she says no I can't I'm gay. He says she says listen this is this is a the only place where people like us can work you know what i mean like you're not going to get a job anywhere else you can't go anywhere um and and nurse bucket says something like that to him and when they're when they're boiling people in the tub room <laughs> like you're yeah. never going to work anywhere else but it's kind of true that circus thing you were talking about is that in this asylum a lot of these people would not find a job or belong anywhere else it's like it's like the island of misfit toys or or the freaks of the world or whatever
0: well, I was going to say there's that very old movie, I don't know what actual year it was, before either of us were born, uh, called Freaks. And it was during mm-hmm. a time where all of these individuals who had extreme mm-hmm. deformities due to whatever medication they were giving pregnant women at the time, um, they're in this movie. And I think people at the time were complaining, saying, you know, you're exploiting these people and their deformities, dif- but I think the deformities, sorry, I can't talk. Um, But I think many of them said, what other work would any of us get if not for in the circus or if not for in movies like this? So Mm -hmm. it very much was following along the lines of Huck. But, um, yeah, no, Judy Davis as uh, Nurse Beckett was great because at first you're like, oh, I hate this woman, right? Yeah. but. But then I felt bad for her with her um, affection towards Dr. Hanover because Dr. Hanover did not let her down easily.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah, she was not nice no, to her. So. He was not nice to her. Um, she's, she's a really unattractive woman, and she's very old, and it's kind of like Dr. Hanover must be 20 years, maybe 30 years younger and it's kind of ridiculous for her to have affections for him but uh but it's still he has to go on a date with her and he has to they have a dance and he has to dance with her he doesn't want to, and he's actually a drug addict taking drugs, and he starts yelling at her, saying, "I would never go anywhere with you. I would never date you and all these horrible things and once again, Nurse Ratchet consoles her and comforts her when she's in the middle of this whole scheme to get her brother off for. Yeah, not off for murder, but get him out of the electric chair. So um, yeah, all this stuff is happening. Where there's deceit, conspiracy, murder, and then people are like, "Oh, are you okay?" Doctor Hanover doesn't like you. you know? <laughs> Little high school stuff going on at the same time. It's kind of yeah. kind of. Funny. It's like,
0: do we really? It's like, do we really have time for this right now? Um, <laughs> but it's funny because she, I think, becomes an ally down the line. So. Um, What's calls it. So we have Cynthia Nixon as Gwendolyn Briggs. She is the secretary to the governor, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Who I just have to say, I love Vincent D'Onofrio, and it's so funny seeing him in a role where he's quite despicable. I mean, we know that he can play a bad guy from, you know, Wilson Fisk and the Daredevil series, but there was just no redeeming qualities to him as the governor at all. Um, He's
1: Such an ass. Yeah.
0: Such an ass. I will (laughs) say really quick. Um, If you ever want, there's this show called uh, Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which it did get cancelled. It had one season, and that's it. Mm -hmm. I quite liked it. I was very sad that it got cancelled. But if you watch it, they have a character that is very similar to um, the character that Vincent D'Onofrio plays. So it was interesting seeing that. But we have Cynthia Nixon's character, Gwendolyn Briggs. Um, She becomes close to Nurse Ratchet Now, I swear to you, um, I saw that uh, you know that plot line with her having an attraction towards Mildred a mile away. Yeah. As soon as she as soon as she took Mildred to that club, um, I was like, uh, no, no, not even that. I'm sorry. When they were at the restaurants. And she's showing her how to eat an oyster. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I have many, many, many female friends. And I have n- <laughs> we have never had an interaction like that before. <laughs> that was, like, quite on the nose. I mean, what did you think during that? Were you kind of like, was your radar up where you're like, I see where this is going?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Cynthia Nixon, um, definitely, on, even on Sex in the City, I was like... Wait, she has a boyfriend, like she doesn't seem like she has a boyfriend um but I definitely got that vibe from her and and nurse ratchet is she's a she's an attractive woman, but the way she dresses and the hats and the the coats and everything's one color and in her hair uh even my girlfriend um had mentioned it she wouldn't watch the show, but she saw photos like oh my god look at her hair it's it looks like a team of people put that together with all the the curls and the rows and buns in the back um so she's very attractive to look at and and um i think uh, as we saw throughout the show there are men and women who were doing it but yeah i it was it was very obvious to me when um but Nurse Nurse Ratchet didn't get it at all. That's a, that's the whole point. We're sitting there as the audience; we get it. We're like, okay, this woman's attracted to this woman. Oh, she, she was, was completely to
0: oblivious to it. But
1: she was yeah. like, "What are you? What are you doing? Like, where are we going? Like, oh, we're just going to a bar." And she walked in. She was shocked that it was a lesbian bar, gay bar, and and it was like, "Come on, Nurse Ratchet, <laughs> you have ever been outside?" <laughs> like how
0: blind. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah, I
1: mean. <laughs> you can't tell what's going on here this woman likes you uh but yeah she's I, very very naive
0: i guess it's supposed to be the times right the 1940s oh my yeah. god you know um i mean they had two women in their own facility who were there because they were gay so to mildred ratchet who we find out about her past as horrific as it was very sheltered Um, and considering back then that being gay was considered a mental illness, she's like, Oh, not me. And it, it's kind of not kind of funny, kind of great, you know, that like Gwendolyn really felt say that comfortable in her sexuality, even though we do find out that Gwendolyn is married to a man just for the simple fact that they're both pretending, um, but I mean, Gwendolyn like put herself out there in a time where I feel like it would have been super dangerous for her to even attempt to try to hit on uh, Sarah Paulson's character. Did you kind of feel like that? I mean, I almost yeah. felt scared. And, that, well, I like, feel
1: that I feel scared for Nurse Ratchet and her. Because one, Nurse Ratchet could say, oh, my God, you're a lesbian. You need to come and get into a lobotomy. Or later on in the show, I felt like someone was going to be like, oh, Nurse Ratchet's a lesbian. Let's get her into the hospital. Uh, so to be so open with that stuff at that time, the the solution is to put you in a mental hospital. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot. Like you said, it's a lot for him to come out. And And she had a beard. She had someone who was... Uh, a gay man that she was married to and they're both doing the marriage thing just to cover up and so that he could have a career and all this kind of stuff as a lawyer and that was really interesting Um,
0: that was interesting as well only also because I felt that um, just saying that it was an interracial marriage which I felt that back in the 1940s also would have been something that would have been looked down on so yeah, I felt that it a was a little intricate a lot of issues, right? So I feel like uh, – I don't know. I, I'm not trying to say anything bad here. I'm just saying that in the 1940s, I feel that that also would have been very challenging for them.
1: Yeah, and they just sort of brushed over that. I get that. But the, really the most distur- – there's lots of murder and there's lots of horrible things that go on in this show, and it's hard to watch. But the most disturbing part of the show is – is the, the youth of Mildred and uh, Edmund. And, yes. and, and I don't even want to go into details because it's so disturbing, but I just ask myself and I ask you, I don't even know if you want to answer, like, why does someone put something like that into a show? Okay. I understand this is entertainment and you know, something bad happened to her as a child. We could briefly, it's kind of like too much, like, like the murders were too much. Like, and I understand we're desensitized and we see all these movies, so they want to push it to the next level and the next level and the next level. But it's almost like, oh, my God, the puppet show sort of reenacting what happened It is is absolutely horrifying.
0: Very horrifying. I'm glad that you brought it up. Um, Sean, you are being an amazing co-host this episode, I have to say. Um.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's great talking um, to you because you um, – I, I don't want to say – we're on the same we know a lot of the same uh, shows and movies, and we can talk very easily, so this is fun.:
0: It's very fun. Um, the subject matter, though, for that is not fun, but I yes. will say, I will use this as an example that when the first season of Jessica Jones came out, right? Yeah. I saw a lot of articles that praised the show for addressing the um, the situation of rape without showing a rape scene right right it's like we we get it right we can get that this was a horrible traumatic uh you know event in jessica's life and we don't need to see Kilgrave forcing himself on jessica and that was praised up and down i agree i watched it and i was like thank god right um but it's as if this show was like no 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 we're gonna actually show this, and it it went on for a really long time. I felt like Ryan Murphy really just kind of he abused that scene longer than he really had to. i don't think he needs to to do it at all. He could have just said, "Um you know right, these, things happen, very, these, these things happen
1: rather than showing it." And I think right. that's a a thing for both of us with Ryan Murphy. Like I I can't believe he made the show Glee, which was filled with positivity. And yeah, there were these high school relationships, and there was issues with homophobia and racism, but it, but it was like a it was a positive show in the end. In the end, it was uplifting, you know, every episode. And this is just like, you know, we're gonna dra- drag this murder out for so long in the beginning that it makes you really, really uncomfortable and even sick to your stomach. And we're going to drag this bathtub scene. And we're going to drag this, you know, horrible stuff that happened to these children out for so long. It's like, w- like you said, we understand it. We get it. You don't have to do it for six minutes.
0: Yeah. And I think that is, was one of my biggest critiques of the show and why I felt that it didn't really tie into the movie so much because the movie And, again, I I understand for anyone who's listening going, well, it's different. You know, I understand. Obviously, there's different adaptations, and this is his show. I understand that. But the movie was never about – this like torture effect and this shock and awe, right? It was a psychological thing. And I feel that this show was a lot of times shock and awe. And they really did that with that puppet scene showing their background. It was Mm -hmm. very disturbing that I could honestly do without, but, um, what's closet last couple of things I want to touch upon Sean is one. And this kind of, goes into the theme of shock and awe literally Mm -hmm. was the electrocution scene um i wanted to talk about this when vincent d'onofrio's character is the person who uh flips the switch on that one person on death row killing them um and I felt that that's first of all, Vincent D'Onofrio's character was a very cartoonish sort of example of maybe the sort of man that they wanted to show from that day and age. And I think they're maybe trying to make uh, examples of maybe certain people in politics today. Um yes. but. He's very uh, – he, he, God, he reminded me a bit of, like, how they wanted to portray, like, say, Teddy Roosevelt, like, bully. Like, I, I imagine him saying that all the time, but um, what you going call it? As soon as they were doing the electrocution scene and they put – no, they didn't even put a sponge on his head. And I had just watched for the first time – you're going to, like, laugh at me that I just watched this for the first time, like, two months ago – I first watched The Green Mile ever. Uh, like I uh, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I loved it. I mean, uh, Brittany and I, who's my co-host on the Top Ten, we did a uh, Top Ten most like heartbreaking movies, and she included that. And the way she was describing it, I was like, okay, I need to watch this. Yes, it was heartbreaking, but um, yes. that really kind of you know showed they did the sponge scene they they explored it in that mm-hmm. so the fact that they didn't even put a sponge on this guy whether it was dry or wet no sponge at all it was like he's going to he's going to uh burst out in flames and yeah. what happens he bursts out in flames yeah. um and it was a very shocking scene very hard to watch i think for everyone who was there i think everyone wanted it to be done with and of course that was showing um uh because it, with um. God, I don't know why I can't talk all of a sudden, with uh, Edmund's character, right?
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: was going to be put to death, and at first it was going to be a lethal injection, and then suddenly they were going to bring out the electrocution uh, chair again, right. and the fact that it seemed that the governor wasn't even concerned with taking the proper precautions or measures was just so, um, which led to then obviously what happens later on in the show, but You said you wanted to talk about this scene, so what were your thoughts on it?
1: Well, exactly what you thought. I mean, we're agreeing on a lot of things here. It's it. I like the description "shock and awe" because that's what Ryan Murphy is. We're learning that there's four or five scenes in this series that are are very shocking, very disturbing, and it, they just. So remember when the guy got electrocuted in the Green Mile? There were close-ups. There was time spent, but it went over. It went by pretty quickly. It wasn't like. Oh my God! I just ate some pasta. I probably shouldn't have. Like, I feel sick. Uh, but this thing—the guy catches fire, and and Vincent D'Onofrio, the governor, would never pull the switch like that. That's just egregious. And and um, it, it's it's a device to make you scared for Finn, right? Oh, now I'm scared for Finn. And I realize why he has to escape because if he goes to the chair, he's going to catch fire and be and burn alive so it it makes you almost like root for finn to escape so i get it but once again he just keeps going and going and going and going and and i think there's there's a validity to it in in hollywood and in netflix and all these services amazon is that when you have these shows that push the envelope and go past that edge those are the most popular shows yeah
0: Yeah, really, honestly, they are. Um, That is a fantastic point that you bring up. And, yeah, it was just, as you said, the governor would never flip the switch. It was a little um, far-fetched, very far-fetched, really, in that uh, retrospect. I will say that um, as we, you know, again, the last two things that I Mm -hmm. want to speak about, I know I said that before, but (laughs) I just thought of something – I wanted to talk about Charlotte Wells for a second, the character who has multiple personality disorder. I will say that I I thought about it and I was a little peeved about this. So one of the things that the cast of Ratchet also did was that they had done a roundtable where um, a bunch of us had sent in questions and they sat around and they read them off and answered them and the actress at some point was asked about what sort of research she did into playing this character and she flat out and no disrespect to the actress i'm not trying to be disrespectful here but the actress said well i didn't do any research at all i kind of felt that that was like hmm you're you're playing someone with a condition that's a real condition um I would have liked if she would have did a little bit of research, but I understand that I don't think Ryan Murphy was going for that. Again, he was going for his American Horror Story version of this tale, and the shock, as I said now, I'm going to use that constantly, the shock and awe of it all. So what did you think of Charlotte Wells' character? I mean, and did it surprise you um, how she took on the doctor's personality once he was killed?
1: yeah it it's so bizarre that character is so bizarre but but this is the way that hollywood works now right you say there was a a show that someone did and it was like oh it's game of thrones meets mel brooks this is you know yeah. um there was a um i'm losing my train of thought here but uh there was uh, the movie split with yes. um what is the actor's name
0: Oh, uh, uh, James McAvoy.
1: James McAvoy, and now this guy has multiple personalities, just like Charlotte Wells does. And and Charlotte Wells, the first scene, you hear, see her screaming. I was in the Boston Philharmonic, and I was in the front row of the um, Australian Symphony, and I've played at Juilliard School, and you're a loser, and you're nothing. And and this angry woman, who we that find I out later.
0: A- by the way, that was a great impression, A+. plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: and, then, and then we find out that you know later on it's this woman who's protecting herself because, once again, another horrible story about this woman kept in a closet for nine days uh, by four young men that were torturing her. Um, so she has this trauma and she has these multiple personalities. But James McAvoy, when he changes characters split, and split, I think he has uh, up to 13 characters – you believe it, and there's a transition, and it, it's very quick, but you see it, and I believed every single one. That's another difficult movie to watch, but um, it's M. Night Shyamalan. I love his movies. But um, with this movie, um, with this series, she sort of hopped real quickly just by putting her head down, and I didn't, I didn't see the transition And in the whole Hanover thing that she, I'm Dr. Hanover now, it's all possible, but I didn't feel it. I I really didn't like the characters, what I'm trying to say. I didn't feel it as much as I should have. And it was horrible that what happened to her, it was horrible that she ends up killing Dr. Hanover, who's trying to help her. He wants to help her escape so that he can but then she's a device, right? They need to figure out a way to get Finn out of there, and, and Ratchet can't do it, and Hock can't do it, and this person can't do it. So, you know, I don't know if you want to hop to the end here, but um, she actually helps Edmund, the brother, escape, and um, there's a phone call at the end. But, but Charlotte Wells is not my favorite character.
0: I did want to comment on Charlotte Wells' quickly um before we hop to the end um yeah so this goes into again the research of the character right obviously charlotte wells something very horrific happens to her but if you do research on multiple personality disorder it is something that really happens to a child um in most cases uh, extreme abuse to a child sexual abuse um, where the the mind, because it's so young and can't comprehend what's going on, ends up splitting in an effort to protect the person, right? right. But Charlotte Wells was an adult when this happened. So it, the fact that that would happen to an adult really isn't that um, realistic. Um, so – you know, I just feel like this show didn't try to be very realistic. Split was great, by the way. I think James McAvoy did an amazing job. Um, I know that that movie did also get a bit of controversy against it, but from a movie standpoint, I think it was fantastic. If you ever yeah. watched Doom, if you ever watched Doom Patrol, uh, there's a character called Crazy Jane, and she has 64 personalities. But I think that. Diana Guerrero does a fantastic job in that role. But, yeah, I didn't very much like Charlotte Wells. I didn't understand her taking on the personality of Dr. Hanover because how would she have all of those memories that Dr. Hanover has? Didn't make sense. But, so, yeah, she ends up busting out Edmund um, and now, whereas Mildred spent most of the season protecting Edmund, trying to get Edmund out, suddenly they're enemies. Suddenly now, Mildred has realized that she loves Gwendolyn. They have this beautiful relationship. Unfortunately, Gwendolyn has cancer, which um, right. in late 40s, early 50s, it's like, God, what a terrible diagnosis. So mm-hmm. I certainly feel horrible for that. Um, My grandmother had cancer years ago. Thank God she's okay. But, you know, we're in the 21st century, right? So that's horrible to hear. But so now they're together. Um, They fled down to Mexico. They're living this beautiful life. And, yeah, there was a phone call at the end where pretty much Edmund promised to never stop hunting her. And then you see the final shot of... Edmund, Charlotte, and the lady who is, was the woman who ran the motel that Mildred, (laughs) and you're like, how does this lady fit into everything? So please tell me what your thoughts were with that, you know, uh, first of all, Edmund and Mildred now being at odds, and that final scene in the show.
1: Yeah, the final scene, I'll talk about in a second, but Edwin Edwin. Blech. Edmund in Mildred being at odds is very bizarre because she, like you said, she's an angel of mercy. Now she wanted to take Edmund into the barn and give him an injection that would kill him because she knew they were going to take him to the electric chair, which is very different than wanting to kill him just to get him out of the way or murder him. It was, she was doing something merciful knowing that he had to die, giving him less pain. So for him to be like, I'm going to find you, sis, and kill you is kind of stupid. But I get it. It's like a cliffhanger for next season. But I don't know about you, but I thought the phone call was great because it kind of reminded me of Silence of the Lambs when Anthony Hopkins calls Clarice and he's like hello Clarice and he's he's on this island and he kind of I'll see you soon and he hangs up the phone and he walks away and you're like oh shit she's never going to get rid of that guy he's always going to be following her but it's the same thing it's like she's never going to get rid of Edmund he's always going to be after her but the cool thing is that she says listen brother I'm not going to stop hunting you either so you better watch out because (laughs) it's yeah. Nurse Ratchet is man. not is not a pushover. <laughs> Don't mess with her. Don't mess with Nurse Ratchet.
0: <laughs> no, certainly do not mess with mess with Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, I it was a cool phone call. Again, I guess I was just hung up with the fact like, What? This is what what kind of show then did this suddenly become? What are we expecting? Someone said that um the show almost then felt like a Bates Motel. I don't know if you mm. saw that show. That was great. Um, but it almost felt a little like that as well. But yeah, I mean, listen, season two clearly is going to be the two of them chasing each other and perhaps it, Mildred finally takes Edmund down and maybe that is the event that finally, well, Maybe the combination of Edmund being taken down and Gwendolyn, unfortunately, passing is going to be, you know, it's going to be the events that lead Mildred into being hardened like we had seen in the movie. Yes,
1: that's possible. My my girlfriend's always getting on me because I always say things before, oh, this person's going to kill that person, or I say things before they happen in a show or a movie. I would guess... I'm not going to guarantee, but I would guess next season, you think Edmund dies at the end, but he actually reappears in season three. That would be my guess. That would be, I'll just throw that out there.
0: (laughs) You know what? Who knows? I, um, we're going to have to find out when the second season comes out. But, uh, Sean, out of 10, what would you rate season one of Ratchet?
1: Okay, if I had to rate it, if people were like, you can only have one rating, and I hate to give you two ratings. If I had to rate it, I would give it a six, okay, because of, because of the horrific content. And um, my kids are 17 and 16, and they watched American Horror Story, and I don't know how they did it because I couldn't watch it. But I watched this because we talked about watching it all the way through every scene. Um, I would give it a six just because I don't agree with making scenes so horrific. But if you are an American Horror Story fan and you are a Ryan Murphy fan and a Scream Queens fan and and you like the gore and you like horror and all that, I think it's up there as an eight. Because if you know what you're getting into and you enjoy this kind of stuff and, yeah, let's push it as far as we can, then this is your thing.
0: I agree. Um, If you are someone who absolutely loves American Horror Story, you're a huge fan of Ryan Murphy's content when it comes to that sort of storytelling. Yeah, this is essentially another season of American Horror Story that you can watch while waiting for the next season of American Horror Story. Right. I mean, Sarah Paulson's in it, Sarah Paulson. It has a star-studded cast. Um, and granted, if you haven't seen it yet, and we just spoiled everything for you, but you should <laughs> still watch it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I would say, unfortunately, I would give it a 5 out of 10 just because um, I'm not a huge American horror story fan. I am a huge fan of the movie, and I think I just had a hard time differentiating. And as you said, the gore in it was a little too much for me, but mm-hmm. I do think... But I'm still interested in a second season. So, yeah, um, when we get news of that, we will certainly let you know. But, again, the first season just came out, like, last week. So I'm sure with COVID and everything, um, updates on that are probably not going to happen for a while. But, uh, Sean, before I let you go, please let everyone know where they can find you. I know we talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but please promote yourself.
1: Sure. Thanks so much. Um, I am the host and creator of the Lights Camera Pro podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, and I also have a Facebook Live and a YouTube page. Uh, light, just search Lights Camera Pro. Um, there is a Lights Camera Pod that some people go to. Um, that's very very popular. But Lights Camera Pro is my page. And we interview entertainment pros behind the scenes, directors, writers, actors, producers. It's a- very fun show. I enjoy it very much and definitely check it out.
0: Yes, and you could also check out Sean's interviews on our YouTube channel, Geek Vibes Podcast, and you can find us, Geek Vibes Nation, geekvibesnation.com. It has links to all of our Uh, Social media, we post reviews, opinion pieces, news, anything and everything in between, movies, TV shows, we have interviews, we have podcasts, so please make sure you check that out, we are now on Amazon Music, which is pretty freaking cool, Mm -hmm. Um. And I also just have to plug that I did two interviews with real life detectives for a uh, two Joe exotic specials for the ID channel that are coming up. So that was honestly very, very awesome. Never thought I'd be interviewing detectives. So make sure you check that out. But um, Sean, this was great. Thank you so much for uh, not interviewing, sorry, so much for reviewing Ratchet on Netflix with me.
1: Oh, Tia, it was a pleasure. I knew it would be, but it was better than I expected, and I hope to do it with you again sometime.
0: Absolutely. Everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye now.
1: Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar.